Um, I couldn't find the exact quote. I might find it next week, but the, the quote is something like this. Well, let me ask you this question. Um, would any of you like to hear from God? I mean, uh, get a word from, how about that? that? That's the little sentence. Get a word from God. Anybody want that? Want a word? Really? Okay, you sure? I don't think, there's not a lot of enthusiasm about this. Would, would you like a word from the Lord? Still not much, much enthusiasm. I think I know why there's not much enthusiasm. I'll tell you in a moment why. But I, I was listening to a, a, a teaching, and it was something like this. I ta- remember I talked to kids about complaining. I said I'd bring it up again. Here we go. Complaining. Is complaining always bad? Is it bad? Um, it, you know, the little saying went something like this. You're not... You're not where you're supposed to be because you're complaining about where you are. And that's a hindrance. It holds you back. Maybe where you are sometimes or where you don't like to be is exactly where God wants you to be. And, and uh, all of us complain. I mean, the, the story of the wilderness wanderings. I mean, it's, it's amazing. They, what was provided for them? Water, food, I mean, all the manna you could eat. And how long was it after the manna started that the first complaint came in about the manna? We can't eat this junk. I mean, they were complaining about the manna. They were saying, you didn't give us any food. Didn't take long. It didn't take long. So, you know, those are the sermons we hear. But the the truth of of that part, by the way, this is a freebie, okay? The truth of that part is that maybe... We aren't where we can be because we're complaining about where we are, and God has us where we are. And he wants us to open our eyes and take a look at why we're here. I'm not talking about the building or the location. or the. No, I mean, our relationship with him and our vocation, maybe, maybe our jobs. But see, we, we, there's places we'd like to be. And, and at the couples retreat, we talked about some of this. Uh, where, where would you like to live? What's the most beautiful place you've ever seen? Where is that? And so on and so forth. It's probably not around here. It's probably somewhere else. But God has you here. And at this outreach at the, at the mall, there's going to be divine appointments. Norm had some divine appointments. Doris was talking about divine appointments. And, and, and the, the best way to reach out is exactly what she said. And what happened to her, somebody invited her to come. And she did, and she stayed. Hallelujah, I'm glad you stayed. We love your grandma. We, we really love your grandma a lot. She went with us to Israel hiked all those mountains. It was up in the front, too. She wasn't in the back. So, then we should never complain, right? Well, that's for the Gentiles. <clears throat> okay. Now, wait a minute. Um, as our guides used to tell us in Israel, being Jewish and complaining, it's, it's a part of who you are. And we say, well, no, wait a minute, you can't do that. The prophet Habakkuk. As he starts his book, it says, he had a complaint <laughs> to God, and he complained to God. Wait a minute, he complained to God? He's the prophet, and he complained to God? Let me tell you how, how good that is to do. When you're complaining, what was he doing when he was complaining to God? You can talk. What was he doing? You guys know so much. Who's your teacher anyway? When he was complaining, he was talking to God. 
in his complaint. But talking to God is praying. God likes to hear from you any way he can. If you've got a complaint, take it to him. Because he's the only one who can do anything about it, for one thing. In all seriousness. But he loves to hear from you. It's like, I, I've been waiting to hear that. Let's work on this together. And, that comes, and then you say, okay, so now that i got your attention, as if you couldn't have it before, um, I really want a word from the Lord. And, you know, I've told these jokes in time past, but I'm not telling it now. Even though Susan is not here, I'm not telling that joke, which I have told a few times before. But when the Lord says, I have a word for you, and we say, that is so great, and we hear it, and we don't like it. If we say, would you have any other words for us? <laughs> and it's like, not until you do that one. There are other ones. But you have to do, but I don't like that one. I don't like this one. I think I might like that. No. You see, we don't get that choice, do we? And, and if you want to hear from him, he might be asking you to do something that you think is unpleasant. See, we only want to do the pleasant stuff, right? Isn't that right? The fun things, the pleasant things. But may, maybe in the difficult things, we'll find the biggest blessings. The hardest of hearts aren't as, aren't as hard as you might think. And sometimes he uses people like us who are nobodies to soften a hardened heart. If we just reach out at these outreaches and be nice to somebody and smile. There's a lot of unhappy people at the mall. Okay, they go there just because they can blend in and, and even, even kind of hide. A lot of teens there just sitting around with nothing to do. Talk to them. Talk to them. Well, where we are in John chapter 10, I didn't turn there yet. But I have a new Bible. It doesn't blow in the wind anymore. Like my old one, I can, I can read. It has the sticky pages, but that's okay. John 10 is the connection between Sukkot and Hanukkah. And we need to go back and not comment, but read the first part to connect to the second part. So John 10, verse 1. Most, this is a Sukkot, but under the big menorah, the one that was 150 feet high, they were taking it down, last day. Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, he, that same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. He's using the illustration of a corral that they were all familiar with. It had one door. It didn't have three or four. It had, had one, in and out, same way. Then they reviled him. They said, you are, oh, excuse me, wrong page, okay, wrong line. Shepherd of the sheep, verse 3. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the, and the sheep hear his voice. That's important. We talked about hearing from God. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Some of you may have had the experience of hearing the voice of the Lord literally and calling your name. Would you like that? Dear Lord, I pray that you would do something amazingly dramatic, and it's some special point in time, we would hear you call us by name. And we would understand the connection that you want to make with us. We're not just a people group, a denomination, but you know, our, you know us by name. 
And Lord, I pray that we would seek that intimacy with you and be listening for that still small voice. Thank you. And when he brings out his own sheep, that, remember the ownership part we talked about? He goes before them. Middle Eastern shepherds lead the sheep. They don't drive the sheep. And they don't beat the sheep, okay? <laughs> Some religions have that. We, he doesn't do that. The sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. I want you to hear his voice. I mean, literally hear his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him. For they do not know the voice of strangers. They all understood the shepherd and sheep stuff, okay? Some of us today, where we live, we're not shepherds, we don't get it. Great book by Philip Keller on uh, A Shepherd Looks at the Good Shepherd. Excellent, excellent book. But he used this illustration and they didn't get it. So verse 7. Then Yeshua said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, it's like, let me make this clear. I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but, this is good news, the sheep did not hear them. You know, sheep have supernatural ears. You know that? It's not, it's not what you know. It's not the facts. There's, God protects us with discernment. He does. That's a good, this is a good thing. Because we can discern the voices. We don't have all the facts, or the theology straight doesn't matter, but you can discern the voices. The voice of the good shepherd you can discern clearly. Verse <clears throat> 7, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. That's one of the I am's. He's the door. That's the entrance. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And we'll go in and out and find pasture. There's a reflection here of the 23rd Psalm. It's a whole different sermon. He's referring specifically to the 23rd Psalm that David wrote about who is the shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. David was the sheep. I am the door. Okay, verse 10. The thief comes not except to steal and to kill and destroy. Here's why he came. I came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. And all those burdens, right, that he gives to us, right? Those No, he came to give us abundant life, happiness. That's joy, joyful things. That's why he came. Here's the next I am. This is a biggie. It's bigger than you might think. I am the good shepherd. The good, notice he doesn't say, I am the teacher. But there's a difference in the teacher and a shepherd. He's the shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling who is, not, who is not the shepherd, who does not own the sheep, there's ownership again, sees the wolf coming and runs away. And the sheep, and they're, they're scattered. The wolf catches the sheep, scatters them. The hireling flees because he's a hireling. He doesn't care about the sheep. Look, look at the care picture, the picture of care, caring. I am the good shepherd. Another I am. And I know my sheep, this is good news, and am known by my own ownership. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Whoa. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. That would be me. Okay, the Gentiles. And they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. 
one olive tree, two kinds of branches. Got it? Therefore, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it up again. That will be in John chapter 11. I am the resurrection and the life. That's coming soon. This command I have received from my Father. Therefore, there was this division again. <laughs> this keeps happening. Amongst the, it says Jews, they meant the Jewish leadership, because of these things. Many of them said, he has it. They keep saying it. He's got a demon or he's crazy. They keep saying it. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of a man who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? He had just healed the blind man. End of teaching on the Temple Mount at Sukkot. But what John does, he builds a bridge and it makes a connection from one holiday to the next. Oh, but Hanukkah is not a biblical holiday. It's not one of the Moedim. Well, it's not one of the Moedim. But John makes a connection holiday to holiday that Yeshua celebrated in Jerusalem. Can you, can you celebrate it other places? Yeah, but it's a, it's a celebration and the ceremonies were about the rededication of that temple. That's why Yeshua was there. Now, and, and, and what happens here is that various groups of people either don't understand what this means. I'm going to try hard not to say who they are, but um, we're one of the groups. Uh, the, or there's a huge misunderstanding. To understand what happens next, you have to understand Hanukkah. In the history of the Christian church, they've ignored Hanukkah. And they will say, that's not in the Bible. Excuse me. See, I was there. I can talk. I'm talking about my past. I'm talking about my past. Why would Christians want to celebrate Hanukkah anyway? It's not in the Bible. Well, you know, Passover is in the Bible. Okay, well, we can do that one, but not Hanukkah. It's not in the Bible, except right there. Because in my Bible, it would read, it still does in this one, my new one, now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And we read on. When are the other feasts? Spring and fall. The only one in winter is Hanukkah, and that word right there, dedication, is Hanukkah. It says it right there. It says it. Yeshua was in Jerusalem celebrating Hanukkah. But no one teaches the Christian church what it means, what Hanukkah means. And uh, is there, I hope you're awake because I'm, I'm treading on really thin ice here on purpose. Is there a connection, get the lightning rods out, okay? Is there a connection, because I'm about to get struck, is there a connection between Hanukkah and, dare I say the word, Christmas? Because remember I said when I was growing up, I thought, well, Hanukkah is the Jewish Christmas, right? Whatever that is. So then we, and then we are taught, we as Messianics are taught, there is absolutely no connection whatsoever at all, not even remotely so, period, of Hanukkah and Christmas. God forbid that we would connect those two at all. So, if you dare to come tonight to the Maktrofs, I'm going to show you the connection. And you can talk to both groups who both say it's not important. You have the answer both ways. It's very important. What could that be? You have to come tonight. That's what I'm, it's a very brief little teaching we're doing tonight. Back to the one today, though, which was a huge event that takes place at Hanukkah. 
at Hanukkah is where Messiah reveals himself and his ultimate revelation is right here. And it was, why not Passover? Why not, it was Sukkot? No, it was here, it was Hanukkah. And there's a reason for it. And it was winter, and Yeshua walked in the temple. In Solomon's porch, he even tells us where. I'll show you a picture of that in about two weeks. Then the Jewish leaders surrounded him. Get the picture. He's now surrounded and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Well, I had a sermon all ready to go here today that had all the listings of how many times up to this point they say to Yeshua, Okay, who are you? If you're the Messiah, are you the Messiah? They keep asking the same question. Every time they ask, he says, I, I, I'm the Messiah. Next time, who are you? And he keeps saying it. He keeps saying it. Now we have it again, but there was several of these, the same thing. Who are you? Where are you from? <clears throat> are you the Messiah? Yes, yes, yes. And he would do the works that only Messiah would do, prophesied about by God and, and taught by the rabbis of the time. He did, he did them both. So there would be no doubt or misunderstanding. No one can say he didn't fulfill these teachings. He did them both. Biblical and even the non-biblical ones, he did them anyway. Just so there was no doubt. And so here they do it again. How many times are they going to ask, who are you? If you're the Messiah, tell us plainly. Okay. By the way, why am I making a big thing of that? What did he just say a couple of chapters ago? That was huge. Before Abraham was, I am, that's huge. That's huge. Back to that statement in a minute. So even with that statement, they're saying, okay, who are you? Who are you claiming to be? <clears throat> Tell us plainly. Yeshua said to them, I told you, and you do not believe. See, there's some faith involved. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. That's an important statement. What he did was a part of the witness. His works were witness because he did the things only Messiah could do. I mean, no, nobody else ever did them. No one healed a man born blind, ever. Only him. He did, he did what Messiah was supposed to do. The works are a witness. But you do not believe. Talk about bold, watch this. Because, here's the reason, because you are not of my sheep. As I said to you, whoops, talk about boldness. This is not, uh, you know, finesse, uh, being, no. This is in the face, in your face. You are not of my sheep. And here's the big, the big one. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Wow. How do you know if you're a sheep? Who are you following? See, boys, we talked about the I am's, like I am the light of the world. He didn't say, I am a light. I am one of many lights. I'm the best light. No, I am, it's I am the light. Actually, it's stated, what the statement is, I, I am the ultimate light. I'm the source of light and enlightenment. It, it, goes, it goes big. We've talked about that. It gets bigger. My sheep, verse 27, hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. See that progression? It's, it's, it's a math formula. And look at the next one. This is something no one has ever said. And I give them eternal life. 
Wow, who, who has the authority to give someone eternal life? Think, you better think about that. Who has the authority to do that? Who can do that? Who can give eternal life? It's a gift. This is the word give. Well, you don't earn it. You don't buy it. You don't, it's not a degree. If you have enough, no, it's given. But, but who can do that? <laughs> this is big. I give them. Talk about a claim to deity. He gives eternal life. And they shall never perish. This is bold authority. They shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch. I like the word snatch. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. It's like, you know, that, that concept of snatch is like, like you, the, the thief is hiding and, and, and reaches out and grabs and steals and runs away like stealing a purse or something. That can't happen. You're well guarded. You're guarded by the best guard of all time. Nothing gets by him. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any, anyone snatch them out of my hand. Ooh, out of his hand. His hand. Where are you? In his hand. Think about that. Not just in the flock. Not just in the corral. In his hand. In the hand of the shepherd. I have a picture at home. We got it in, in Jerusalem. Uh, in, 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 I'm warning you now. In two or three weeks, I'm bringing some trick pictures with me. And I'm going to say, what do you see? I bought these in Jerusalem. And then I will say, now what do you see? Because certain pictures can be used as evangelistic tools. Because the picture speaks the truth of Scripture. What this is, it's here is God in the clouds and this figure that when you look at it, you say, that's portraying our Heavenly Father. And he has his hand out like this. And in his hand is the city of Jerusalem. Like that. That gets people's attention. If you're not a believer, that's a source of, let's talk about this. Well, I pray for the peace of Jerusalem because of, of that. That's his heart. But it goes, it goes on. We have one of a lion. And I'll bring some of those because there's more to the picture than you might think. So when you go with me to Jerusalem, I'll show you where to get those pictures. Of good deal, okay? I give, 28, I give them eternal life and nobody can snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, wait a minute, the Father gave them to him. Hmm, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. No one. Hang on to that word. No one. And then the big, the biggest statement up to date. I and my Father are one. The word my really isn't there. It's I and Father are one. And in, to keep up the same tradition, they pick up rocks again to throw at him and to stone him, which is the right thing to do if he's blasphemy or he's telling the truth. Those are the, those are the only two choices we get because that is a huge statement. I and my father are one. Before we had, we were approaching it, before Abraham was, I am. Now we have I and my father are one. Now, there are groups of people that don't believe that who say they believe in the Bible, all of it. And, 
as an example, I was at such a group taking a tour of their buildings in Salt Lake City, not to mention names. <laughs> and they don't believe this. And so they said, do you have any questions? I go, I have a question. What about, and I, so I read, read this, because I have my, my, my battle with me. Oh, it says here that, that I and my father are one in purpose. And no, it doesn't, it doesn't say that. That's what they say it says, but you can read for yourself. It does not say that. See, they try to, they have to, somebody has to deal with this. It's one way or the other. It's not one in purpose. Okay, you and I can be one in purpose, but no way we're one like that, okay? And what's interesting is that even the, the, the closest, most intimate relationship we have to teach about is a husband and wife. But even that doesn't do this. That, that comes the closest. I and my father are one. That is his bold claim, his next one, bold claim to deity. He's the shepherd of Psalm 23. When David talked and wrote and sang about, the Lord is my shepherd, Yeshua was saying, he was talking about me. I am David's shepherd. I am David's Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. Well, part of Hanukkah, there's several parts, which means we can, we can have 82 sermons and not, not finish it. But a part of Hanukkah is identity. What was at stake was Jewish identity. All right? Now, in other times, uh, when you have uh, um, attempts to annihilate the entire race, well, various forms came. In Moses' time, okay, the baby boys. In Yeshua's time, the baby's under two. Okay, all these att attempts to the Holocaust that we've just had. The attempt was to annihilate all Jews. Well, Satan keeps trying to do that, but he uses different approaches. None of them have worked, nor will they ever work, because of God's word. That's what he's trying to do. He's trying to, to invalidate the word of God. Because for prophecy to come true, you have to have Jews, you have to have an Israel. Or God's word isn't going to be true. And so that's where Satan's attack will come. And we get the double version, because we're Messianic <laughs> Jews, Okay, and Messianic Gentiles who uh, connect with Jews. Now, that comes into identity. I'll, I'll give you that one in three minutes. But a part of Hanukkah is identity. What was at stake? Were, were the Greeks or the Syrians, whatever you want to call them, were they want, wanting to kill all Jews? It was a compromise. They said, we'll kill you unless you stop being Jewish. If you are no longer Jewish, then you can live. No more, and the list, you know, the, uh, on the handout that you'll get, the, we have them out in the lobby, you'll see the list. You can't be circumcised. You can't have Shabbat. You can't do the holidays. You can't have a bar mitzvah. All those things that is, are a part of Jewish identity, you can't do those anymore. So, you see, we have a list. When you look at identity, that something distinguishes us from everybody else. There's a list of those things. What they were saying was, if you stop doing that list, you can live. Let me ask you this. As you can see, we are opening doors to many teachings. What is your identity? You see, what the problem is, is that sometimes other people tell us our identity. Don't do that. Don't let somebody else identify you. You identify you, who you are, what you believe, what, what it means to be whatever you are. Okay, when, when somebody says to me, 
Oh, you're, uh, you're Jews for Jesus. I go, no, that's an organization. It's an organization. Well, okay, so you're, you're a Hebrew Christian. No. Anyway, you, 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 you all do that. The, and, and the movement struggled with terms to express the identity. We had the identity, but it was, there was a struggle to express it. Because every turn of the way, the, the Christian church will say, no, you can't do that. Or the synagogue was saying, you can't do that. And we're going, what? Are... Well, so the, the term Hebrew Christian was flipped around into Messianic too. Because a part of our identity is that we're Jewish. I'm talking about the ones who are really Jewish, not like me. I'm not Jewish, okay? Jewish, but Messianic. Okay, so the, so the connection wasn't Hebrew-Christian because the identity is not that of a Christian. It's that of a Jew who believes in the Jewish Messiah. So that term is much, much better. Messianic Jew. Now, that's not me, is it? I lead this crowd, and I'm not a Messianic Jew. We have a Messianic Jewish congregation. This is a Messianic Jewish synagogue where we meet. We do things Jewish here. There's a reflection of that. But what am I? And when we go places, you know, two-thirds of our group are not Jewish. They look at it, well, who are you then? What do you do? Well, a part of the calling, and it has to be a calling. Are you called to this? Or do you just like the dance? <laughs> okay. It's a calling. But it has to do with identity. And Gentiles who are called to be a part of this movement, this is an end times revival movement, by the way. One of these days, it's going to explode, and we're going to say, why didn't we plan better for this? There's no place to put all the kids. You know, we need a bigger building because it's going to happen, and it's going to be soon. But nonetheless, back to me. Okay, a person who was born Jewish, who has lineage to uh, Jacob, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, it's through Jacob. You got that one, right? Okay. Uh, I, it's not me. Even though my middle name's Aaron, I like it. What's my identity? Well, you know, at first I, I thought, that's a good question. I know I'm called to this movement, but what am I? Well, okay, we are as, I'm a Messianic Gentile. And I don't, I don't usually use that term much, but the idea is that I have been called to be a part of this movement. And according to God's instructions, I'm in equal standing. We're all equal. Jew and Gentile are equal. We have an equal standing before God. But I don't have Jewish blood. And so what, how do I identify? I identify, this is important for the outreach, I identify with Jews in every way, but I do not identify as a Jew. There's, in fact, a rabbi told me this before I knew anything was messianic at all. I went to a synagogue. <laughs> There's some funny stories about that. Ignorance is great. And I, I, I come early. And he put the keep on me. He, he said, here, you need to wear this. Okay, okay. He looks at me and he, he said these words. He says, you'll fit in well here. I'm like, okay, thanks. Whatever that meant. And then he said to me, he says, I go to church, churches all the time. I go to Christian churches. I enjoy the music and I, I enjoy the teaching, blah, 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 blah. He says, well, I'll tell you what. When I go to those churches, a lot of what they do, I can't do there. But when you come to my synagogue, there's nothing we do here that you can't do. Sorry, I'm thinking about that. That's a good point. 
Okay? Everything that happens in the synagogue, we can do. I can do. It's a matter of my choice. What do I choose to do? I choose to do what's meaningful to me. Okay? In keeping the holidays and Shabbat and so on, you know, I do not see m myself as having to be under this horrible burden of these awful things and get presents every night for honor. I hate that, don't you? No, I do what I do because I want to do it. God has put it in, in me to do that, to identify with Jews who are doing it. And what Paul talks about in Romans is that if we're to provoke the jealousy, we're to do it as good as they do and help them kind of maybe buy somebody a Havdalah set that doesn't have one, okay, and invite them over and, and, and say, how do you do this now, even though you know how? But, I mean, we, we can be uh, instigators to help, help along a, a little bit. We are in support. Uh, the term Christian Zionist can work. Well, how is that? A person who is not a Jew who believes in the Bible, believes in Yeshua, but also believes that God gave the land of Israel specifically and only to Jewish people. That's me. I believe that. It's not my land. I love it. But I'm a visitor. But, and a part of me supporting what Zionism is, is that I impart that to Jewish people. Excuse me, that's your land. It's not my land. God gave that land to you. That song Exodus that Pat Boone wrote, okay, from the, from the movie and from the book. Uh, God, this land is mine. God gave this land to me. That's biblical. And, and the, most of the churches are preaching replacement theology. We need to stand as Messianic Gentiles against that and say that's wrong. We support Jewish people. It's their land. It's not my land. It's their land. Even to the point of what Pat Boone does is he finances Aliyah. He pays for plane tickets out of his pocket. And others are doing it. There's a lot of people that are quite famous that do this but do not want their name known because they don't want the glory or the credit. They do it because they love God, they love his word, and they love Jewish people. And, and they support it. So, so then what you can do is support that. Support Jewish people's right to the land. Um, you know, are all Jews supposed to go back to Israel? Well, I, one of the panel uh, discussions at the, at the regional conference one year, I was on the panel, <clears throat> and somebody said, okay, so let's, if they get excited about this, and, and so uh, then all the Jews in your synagogue pack up and go to Israel, how, what's going to happen to the synagogue? We look around, we go, well, most of us aren't Jewish. <laughs> it's going to continue. It'll keep on going, okay? It's not going to quit. It's, it's like, but we have helped them Take a really important step. We've, we've assisted. We, we have helped. And that's a, that's a part of it. Adat has assisted several over the years of Jewish people who have been called, and, and mostly single, single, who moved to the land. We have financed that. And we've been at low key. And every now and then when they're home, uh, or that's home, they, come, they, they visit and, and they're thankful. How do you identify? Okay, I'm taking too long because so I'll, I'll end in one and a half minutes here. In this chapter, Yeshua was identifying himself. What's, they were asking, what is your identity? It wasn't if you're Jewish or not. That, that was not an issue at all. But it's, it's not even to this point of are you the Messiah or not, but are you God or not? And John has led us from chapter 1, where he started off by saying he's God, and then he proves it to this point where this is a huge, a bold, and outlandish statement. I and the Father are one. 
That's the wording of the Shema. Shema Yisrael, in the term for one is Echad. That, it's a reflection of the Shema. That's what Yeshua is doing right here. It's huge. It is huge. I am the Father of one. That's, he was expressing his identity. His identity. Now, it comes down to, you cannot say he didn't say that. You can say, I don't believe that. But you cannot say he didn't say it. And then when you do that, here's the trick, the tricky part. You are now fooling around with the integrity of the Messiah. <laughs> Watch out. Okay? Because maybe you're not in his hand. <laughs> I don't know. Are you in his hand? See, that's the point. My sheep hear my voice. Are you one of his sheep? And they follow me. Are you following him? And I give them. He gives eternal life. Have you received it? It's a gift. And they shall never perish. I thought I had the time to do this. I was going to read what Paul mentioned in Romans 8. You know, uh, what can separate us from the love of God in Messiah Yeshua? Uh, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor, nor any other created thing can separate us from... Okay, what is, it, what is in the universe that is not created? Guess what? Only one thing. Uh, wait a minute, back up. Satan is created. He's a created being. That verse says Satan cannot separate you from the love of Yeshua. So all, of, all the stuff's taken away. And, and what Paul's point was, the one who went through all the trouble to lay his life down and die for you, oh, he could reject you, but he's not going to because he, he died for you. So there is no, you know, you have great assurance. The one who died, you see, he has the power, the authority, what, what he's saying here, he has the authority to save us. Here's the good part. He has the authority and the power to keep us. Because you don't. You have neither. He has both. We trust him, that's faith, to save us. We trust him to keep us. Keeping us is not based on our good works. When we sin, what do we do? Are you born again, 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 again? Are we starting the pot again? Maybe, maybe a little bit. No! What is John? Who wrote this book? Say to do if you sin. Read 1 John. It says that about six times. If you sin, confess your sin. And he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you from that little teeny sin. No! From all unrighteousness. You see, that's what he does. You don't do that. We keep trying to get the credit. We keep trying to do it. We can't do it. He does it all. He saves us. He keeps us. He's provided for us. He says, and in fact, got, got to the point where he said, John said in the first John, uh, you know, when you, if you sin, you're in really big trouble. He says, but when you do, in the next sentence, it's like, here's what you do. Here's how to solve it. Here's how to get back in fellowship. Because you're going to, you're not perfect. We are imperfect people who have been born again and saved by grace through faith by the Lamb of God to be an example that God can save anybody. What is the identity of Adat? We have the identity of Yeshua. You have a choice of how you identify yourself, but this congregation has an identity as well. What is that? Is that silly me? I thought I had all this time. I don't. Just quickly. We state it right here. In our, our statement of faith is two pages. There's 13 points 
principles of faith. This we believe. We believe this, 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 this. But before that, there's seven things that says our purpose. That's our identity. Here's who we are. We worship. We are worshipers. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers. That sounds a little bit on the Jewish side, doesn't it? Where that's put, on purpose. We exist, our purpose, to proclaim Yeshua of Nazareth as the Messiah of Israel. We exist to proclaim him. To proclaim him. To establish a community of Jewish and non-Jewish Messianic believers committed to following biblical instruction within the context of Messianic Judaism. That means we do what the Bible says. To disciple believers in Messiah through the teaching of God's word and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We do this, we're teaching what the Bible says. To provide an environment which encourages Jewish believers in Yeshua to embrace their Jewish heritage, to retain their Jewish identity and lifestyle, and to preserve the biblically, the biblically Jewish expression of faith. Wow, that's a Jewish thought, isn't it? That's a part of our identity as, as a congregation. Number six, to build, protect, and preserve the unity and equality of Jewish and non-Jewish Messianic believers. We're all in this together within our congregation while recognizing the unique biblical responsibilities and callings of individuals. Jews, non-Jews, male, female. We may be all in this together. Okay, for instance, when we get to the place here, and you'll hear this. Well, you know, we're really equal. Equal, are you equal rights? We're, e we're equal rights. Uh, and, and I'll quote the Bible. I'll quote Romans. There is no difference in Jew and Greek. It says that in Romans, right? So, there, so we don't need Messianic Judaism because there's no difference in Jew and Greek. We can all be whatever that is. All right? And then the next sentence says, and there's neither male nor female. Aaron, you going to help me out on this? Um, okay, see what I mean? That's not what, he wasn't saying that. Of course, there's huge, wonderful differences, okay? And I'm so glad for those. Seven, to build bridges of understanding. Uh-oh, this means being nice to people. Uh-oh. To build bridges of understanding between the Jewish, between the community of believers in Messiah, Yeshua, and the mainstream Jewish community. That means being nice to Jews who are not believers. That's what that means. That's a part of who we are. Not, not to say, not to be arrogant, but to love. Never to be arrogant. Anyway, that's identifying who the, this congregation is after actual years of prayer to come up with those seven little points. So, food for thought. In this chapter, they kept saying to Yeshua, identify who you are. He did. I am God. I am the Messiah. I give eternal life. If you get that gift, you're one of my sheep. My sheep follow me. My sheep hear my voice. That's how you know all this stuff. Now, if you're not one of the sheep, but you want to be, and you want to follow him, you know, during, after this last song, you know, we're, not, we're not having another day here, come and talk to me and I will lead you into his presence where you receive the gift he wants to give. It will take 
follow four minutes, and you will have eternal life. It's asking and receiving. Let's all stand. Some of you think I'm a heretic because I said something about there's a connection of Hanukkah and Christmas. <laughs> and I was told people who believe that are heretics. Did I say I believe that? Maybe. Come tonight, and, that, and you will be able to be the life of, the part of, the, of a Christmas party soon, okay, and to show people how this works. Lord, I thank you and praise you that your plan brings people together in unity while recognizing the calling of individuals and the calling of a people group, the calling of a nation, Israel. Lord, I pray that we'll get over that stuff about being second-class citizens. Not true in any way. Or I have my right. No, we don't have any rights. We have grace that's freely given to us. Lord, I thank you and praise you that this is done out of a heart of love, that you want the world to know the Messiah. And we are those who proclaim him. Lord, I pray that because we're unique and special, we would understand that we have a unique calling to pray for and reach out and just be nice to Jewish people. And I pray that, Lord, that we would stop trying to do the work of the Holy Spirit and allow you to do that work in the hearts of others. Not, not worrying about right answers, but just being people that reach out in love. And we can tell somebody our story. Lord, thank you that Doris has a story to tell. We all have a story to tell. I pray for divine appointments when somebody says, tell me your story. Lord, open doors. He is the door. I thank you that he's the shepherd that he is the bread, that he is the light. He is all that we need, and I thank you for your provision in Yeshua's name.